Welcome to There is Power in Your Story podcast, where the focus is faith, health, and wellness. My name is Dr. Veronica Hardy, and today we have a very insightful guest, Dr. Tanya Armstrong. Please take a moment to visit her website, drtanyaarmstrong.com, and pick up her book, Blossoming Hope. Also on her website, you'll be able to locate the Blossoming Hope Companion, as well as 111 things you can do for everyday wellness. Dr. Tanya Armstrong is a licensed psychologist and founder and CEO of the Armstrong Center for Hope. Let's tune in to learn more about Dr. Armstrong and the amazing work she has been doing. So Dr. Armstrong, can you share a little bit about yourself with our audience? I would be very glad to. Thank you, Dr. Hardy. I am Dr. Tanya Armstrong, and I am the owner and licensed psychologist with the Armstrong Center for Hope, where we cultivate psychological and spiritual wellness for all ages. Uh, In that capacity, I help to direct uh, about a dozen licensed clinicians, as well as interns, and we provide mental health services in terms of individual, group, family, and couple psychotherapy. We also provide psychological testing. We find that sometimes parents are in search of um, trying to clarify, does my child have a learning disorder? Do I have a learning disorder or ADHD? Or are there some challenges in terms of personality that might be functioning to behavior? So we provide all of those services in our Durham and Raleigh offices. I also am the minister of the Congregational Care and Counseling Ministry at Union Baptist Church in Durham. So I am so pleased to be able to support our local community. Wow, you do great work and a lot for the community. So thank you for all that you are doing. I know you have multiple projects. I know you are a recording artist. You have your practice and you are also an author. I would love for everyone to hear more about the book you have authored. Absolutely. Thank you. Um, So I have uh, written a book and also assembled an album. So it's actually a set. It's called Blossoming Hope, The Black Christian Woman's Guide to Mental Health and Wellness, and also Blossoming Hope Companion, Soothing Songs and Spoken Recordings. And so the idea behind the book was to write a book that would be somewhat experiential in helping us as a specific demographic, if you will, who's needs and desires and longings uh, and needs um, in the greater sense of who we are as human beings aren't always acknowledged by the broader population. So Blossoming Hope is actually a book that many people from many walks of life can identify with, but I specifically wanted to speak to the Black Christian woman's perspectives and wanted to be able to acknowledge our history, acknowledge some of the challenges that we face, and also talk about some of the ways that we can enhance self-care. And so for many of us, we haven't heard a lot about things like uh, what does it mean to actually pay attention to my body and have body awareness? Or how do I do that in the face of trauma that I may have experienced, for example? Or what does it mean to meditate? 
Is that Christian? Where do I fit in this space? Should I be doing yoga? What is it that I should be thinking about with respect to understanding stress? Is stress normal? Is there something wrong with me because I'm getting stressed out about these things? So, so many questions that I have heard over and over from the couch, if you will, Mm -hmm. and my clients, um, as diverse as they are, all have um, a commonality around certain themes that I wanted to speak to in the book. And then the recordings just give greater accessibility, at least that's my hope, to people understanding, oh, this is what it sounds like to develop my affirmations or to engage in a relaxing meditation. Or here's a song that really speaks to my experience of being a Black Christian woman in the Mm -hmm. U.S. at this time. And I know the way I met you was through a presentation you did through the Black Business Expo, maybe last year sometime. And I appreciated that they had someone who was speaking about self-care. Yes. And you mentioned self-care again in relation to Blossoming Hope. And you also mentioned about body awareness. Could you share a little bit about what body awareness means? Yes, yes. So um, if I may quote Zora Neale Hurston, our great author, She mentioned that uh, Black women are the mules of society. And uh, the reality is that often we are bearing burdens for our families, for our friends, for our workplaces, our faith communities, and so forth. And we often have either forgotten that we need self-care or we may have actually bought into the belief that for some reason we are not worthy we don't deserve self-care. And so um, writing this book was a way to help remind us of just how important the self-care is. We're always going to be a very giving people that is in our bones, but there's something important about taking the time to replenish so that we can give back. And I find that in the persons that I work with in my practice, most of whom are Black Christian women, um, and and Christian defined in a sense of that being a worldview, um, not just about particular practices that people have, but a way of looking at life. And so Black Christian women often uh, know a little bit more about maintaining spirit and, you know, how to stay connected to God and, you know, where to get that sustenance and which scriptures to read and which songs to sing. But are we taking care of our bodies? Mm-hmm. Have we recognized that that lingering ache or pain is something that, A, may need to be checked out, but B, may also be a signal of something that we need to adjust in our lives. Maybe we need more sleep, or maybe we need to make some adjustments in our diets, or maybe we need to move about a bit more. So body awareness is simply taking into consideration that, um, in my opinion, the body is a temple that we have been given. It's a temple of God's spirit. And so we have great responsibility to take care of our bodies just as much as our minds and our spirits and our souls. This is so true. And I like how you said, take the time to replenish. That just reminds me of rest and everything that rest does. And rest is beyond sleep. Taking those pauses, paying attention to yourself, allowing yourself to replenish and rejuvenate in those areas where your your energies have been depleted. But in order to do that, we have to recognize it. Exactly. And I think we are... um 
in some part due to social media, we do have greater awareness of the need for self-care. You, you know, hashtag self-care, you can come up with a, a billion connections on social media. But what does it mean to be aware, you know, to recognize, but then to act? And how do you act with accountability? And by accountability, I really mean a gentle system of uh, support that you identify in your life from others around you, people you trust, who can help move you from point B to D or K to Z or wherever you may be. So really wanting to have us think about self-care in concrete terms. And again, there's some instruction about, okay, here's a list of ideas. And in fact, I would invite your listeners to visit my website. There is something called um, 111 Blossoming Hope Tools. And that can be found and downloaded for free at drtanyaarmstrong.com. But it's just a way of our thinking when we get into places where we feel like we're in a rut, that, you know, what is it that I can do doesn't cost a lot of money, won't take a lot of time, but will rejuvenate me. So I'm about the recognition and about the move toward action. Yes. Thank you for sharing your website, Dr. Armstrong, Dr. Yes. Tanya Armstrong. Yes, Dr. Tanya Armstrong.com, in addition to the Armstrong Center for Hope's website, which is Armstrong C as in center, F as in four ages of hope.com. Awesome. And that, that list of self-care techniques, yes. intentional techniques that people can use. And I have downloaded it. Yes, Good. I did. And Good. I went, went through that list. And there are things we don't have to pay for. It doesn't have to stretch us outside of our comfort zone. That's right. Sometimes, you know, when we're feeling down or low energy, we just run out of ideas. So sometimes we just need that nudge of, oh, well, there's something I haven't tried before. That sounds interesting. Uh, no, I would never do that. But that over there, that looks yes. great. So I hope that there's something for everyone on the list. Absolutely. So thank you for that work that you are doing. And I know you also have a current project that you are focusing on related to mental health. Yes, yes. So I received an invitation from a colleague to write um, a paper for a special issue of uh, Practice Innovations is the name of the journal. Most listeners probably have not heard of it. I had not heard of it myself for some time. But what's more important about this paper, this manuscript that we were working on, is that um, I assembled some of the interns at the Armstrong Center for Hope, and we endeavored upon this special issue focused on on race and um, COVID-19. So we were able to choose any topic and we ultimately decided that what really seems to be important in this moment of COVID-19, and even as, as it is slowly dissipating, it's still very relevant that we increase the utilization by BIPOC population and, and specifically by African-Americans of mental health services. And this is a great moment to do so. Um, there's a painful part of that moment which says that in the midst of all of the suffering that has gone on during COVID, people losing loved ones, having to experience the loss of employment, housing, food security, because now people don't have that same level of security. All of those losses are real and people need increased support in the midst of loss, okay? 
So that is the painful part of, of COVID-19, but a sort of um, silver lining, if you will, to COVID-19 is it has helped us to see how much help can be pursued and can be beneficial through telemental health. So people call it different things, telehealth, telepsychology, what have you, but just the moment of being able to connect with your clinician on a HIPAA compliant secure method where your conversation is private. You don't have to worry about the commute and traffic and mm -hmm. you're just right in the moment with your therapist and being able to not only address an acute crisis that you may be in, but even in the, what I like to see, um, one of the greater fruits of psychotherapy is the transformation yes. that can happen. Right. So I think more and more we're experiencing as a people that we can sustain not only the losses, the um, threat to black life that we see every day yes. in the media and that we can still and yet and maybe even in the midst of that, we can transform into um, our living our better lives, our best lives and being our best selves as a mm -hmm. result. The article was really just focused on saying that we do need to increase um, the utilization of mental health services and it's specifically to a, an audience of other clinicians saying, okay, you guys, this is what we need to do, regardless of what your station in life is, regardless of your color, here are ways to increase the utilization of um, mental health services by Black populations. So that's what the article is about. That is great. And just to reiterate the journal, it's called Practice Innovation. So yes. we can start looking for that um, and yes. come becoming yes. more familiar with that journal. Yes, it's an imprint of the American Psychological Association's Division 42, which is independent practice. So in some ways it's obscure for the general public, but um, we will certainly be making that available because we're proud of the work, especially my interns who did a great job with that. Yeah. And uh, we just learned so much about the history of um, African-Americans encountering mental health services, being denied mental health services, being told we were immune from having mental health challenges and yet facing all of the losses during slavery that we did and all of the pain and suffering that, you know, of course there was a time and point where we have needed support and yet we've had some moments of distrust that are legitimate moments that we are naming in the paper. We're talking about these diagnoses that were assigned to us falsely. And so we just try to look at it from a full perspective of, yeah, we understand why a lot of black folk don't wanna be in therapy, yeah. but now here's the pivot. Here's the moment whereby we can actually and how we can engage it in a meaningful way. Yes, and that article sounds like it's full of information that probably many people are not aware of. Like you said about the false diagnoses, yes, uh, the people being told that, oh, you're immune to mental health issues. Again, an example of being denied services and not being examined or understood correctly <laughs> and appropriately like other populations may be. And you use that word transformation. That's like one of my favorite words for 2021, you know, and sometimes the word transformation means deeper than just change exactly. to me. Mm. Exactly. Yes. yes. It's a powerful concept. Mm. So when you think of transformation in regards to mental health and the various populations, how does that word really stand out to you? What would transformation look like? I've mentioned already that I um, 
of a person who serves in a place of ministry at Union Baptist Church. And so um, I am trained as a Christian minister, went to divinity school and all of that. And so I do have a particular um, viewpoint of transformation that is scriptural. And, you know, we are told to not conform to the patterns of the world, but to be transformed by the renewing of our minds so that we will then be able to test and, and approve what God's perfect will is. And so transformation is the part in my mind of our spiritual path that is really not an option. We are expected to transform. So that kind of gives the rationale for why transformation is important. But then we, once we are clear on the rationale, we still have to say, okay, so how do we do this? And so for me, psychotherapy is a great tool for helping people to grasp um, some really concrete modes of change. And as you say, not just change, but the fuller transformation. So change sometimes is something that we arrive at over a, sometimes a long period of time before we decide that we want to change. But to transform is um, creating some lifestyle adjustments so that we can have more permanent transformation. And so, for example, I may have someone who wants to make a change in the quality of life that they are experiencing. And they may recognize that there are some things they need to do differently with their diet or with their weight or with their the quality of their sleep, because as you know, Dr. Hardy, sleep deprivation is one of those things that contributes to a whole host of mental health exacerbations. Mm -hmm. So I won't say that sleeplessness or sleep deprivation causes mental health issues, but it certainly greatly strains us when we're already struggling to then also experience sleep deprivation can be a challenge. So I have really concrete ways of saying, how do we use, uh, for example, SMART goals to attain the kinds of permanent changes that you desire in your lifestyle. So many persons have heard about the SMART goals before, but our goals need to be specific, they need to be measurable, they need to be attainable, relevant, and time-based. And, you know, sometimes people use different words, but um, for some of those, but the point is that there's a way that you measure change and a way that you use gentle accountability to get to change and then you kind of go to the next level and you kind of get equilibrium there according to developmental psychology theory yeah. but then you know life goes on stuff happens COVID comes you get uh, to a point of disequilibrium and then you have to engage some other points of change and transformation to find your equilibrium again but to, to me that is the great joy of of life is that we have these opportunities to continue to be evolving and be creating we are co-creators mm, i love that and, and a scripture that i posted or read earlier today was from lamentations about new mercies every day and those yes. new mercies allow us to continue in that process of transformation each yes. day absolutely Yes, yeah. they do. So, so many resources we have. We, we know that we're already thoroughly equipped for everything that we need to live a godly life. I actually wrote a song about that that's on the Blossom and Hope Companion that I mentioned earlier. Yeah, it's called Yes, I Can. Perfect. So, Yes, I Can.
as everyone knows, I'm a note taker and you know, I'm sitting here taking notes. There are just some key phrases I like to catch. And a question I want to throw out to our listeners is what lifestyle adjustments would you like to work on? So for everyone to just think about that. And if you were to create smart goals to move forward, what would that be? And something else you said, Dr. Armstrong was about gentle accountability. I really like that. Could you say a little bit more about that for our listeners? Absolutely. Um, I am a bit of an optimist. That's just kind of who I am oriented to be. And um, so I just always kind of saw accountability as this great and positive thing and thought everybody else saw it the same way. And I remember having an encounter with a client when we were talking about accountability. And as I mentioned it, and of course, this was pre-COVID, I could tell from her response non-verbally, her facial expression and her, you know, shifting in her seat that she didn't have the same opinion about accountability. And as I spoke further with her about that response, I realized that for her, accountability had often been accompanied by people um, treating her harshly, making demands, demeaning her if she didn't meet certain goals. And she'd had those kinds of experiences in her workplace. And so I realized that I needed to clarify for her and for subsequent clients and audiences that general accountability is about a relationship that you have with a trusted confidant, someone who you trust, someone who has the ability to understand you in that particular area of your life. And I mentioned the sphere because I believe that we need to have gentle accountability in different spheres of our lives, okay? So I may have one friend who really helps me to be accountable in my finances, mm -hmm. but she doesn't really know a lot about how to hold me accountable in my fitness, right? So I need different people in different parts of my life to be able to say, try this, do this. You can do it. I'm encouraging you, right? So accountability that is gentle also has a very generous encouragement that's included so that you are aspiring in with this positive vibe to reach your goals rather than feeling like you're being beaten into submission to meet your goals. Yes. And good point about how different people can fulfill different roles. Yes. This person is good to hold me accountable for fitness, but may not be good to hold me accountable for something else that I'm working on. Exactly. Oh, so it does take a village, even for adults. We often say that about children, but as adults, we, we need that village. And even from a Christian perspective, the body of Christ is the village that is spoken of that helps to support the work that we're doing for the kingdom. Great. I appreciate how you said, even as adults, it takes a village. It doesn't stop. No, it does not. Yes. Now I could picture myself sitting with you all day <laughs> and just talking and working on my goals and such. Earlier, we were speaking about how you have a practice. Yes. If someone wanted to engage with your practice or pursue sessions, what would they need to do for that to happen? Great question. So the Armstrong Center for Hope has a website presence. It's armstrongcfh.com. And so people can go and check us out. And in my experience as a licensed clinician, I think this month actually makes 20 years of my being a licensed psychologist. And so one of the things I've learned is that there is um, a process of committing to therapy. Most people just don't wake up one morning and say, I had never considered it, but now I'm ready to make the call. Yes. So we invite people to explore 
visit our website. Go to psychologytoday.com and put in your zip code and other filters. See what people are offering. See what appeals to you, what feels like a good vibe. And if it makes sense to look at um, the services of the Armstrong Center for Hope, then you can actually request an appointment online. You can actually call the number that is listed on the website, which is 919-418-1718. You also can send an email to us at acfhinfo at armstrongcfh.com. So you have all of these different modes of beginning the process. And we really encourage everyone to be thoughtful as much as you can. Sometimes you're just in a crisis. You just need to talk to somebody as soon as possible and we get that. But you also want to think about psychotherapy ideally as this longer term relationship that you're having because change and especially transformation, they take time. And so we want you to be able to have some sense that you're feeling really good about who you select and who you begin this journey with. And so, as I mentioned, we've got about a dozen clinicians. I actually am not taking new clients at this time because I'm actually trying to make sure that we increase access. So we're busy in the background trying to hire great clinicians, but everyone that we hire, we are very specific about making sure that they are corresponding to our goals. They are committed to the psychological and spiritual wellness that we talk about on our website. So I would encourage your audience just to explore several people who may be a good fit for them. And as you may be experiencing, Dr. Hardy, we're finding that um, there is such a tremendous need and also people responding to that need, which we're really excited about. But it does create a bit of a delay sometimes. So sometimes when people are calling our offices, there is a bit of a delay. But our practice manager is really working very carefully with people, even if there is a time frame. Um, during which they have to wait, that we're making commitments to people to be able to say, we'll be able to see you at this point and address your needs at that time. Um, And even we've um, put together a group for people who are in the shorter term and maybe need some support right away as they're waiting for the the longer um, experience of psychotherapy as an individual. So those are some ways that people can find out more about the services of the Armstrong Center for Hope. Wow, that is fantastic. And and I appreciate how you said you're working a lot behind the scenes to create more access. Yes, yes. Thank you. Sometimes it's frustrating, you know, because you want to be seen when you want to see, by whom you want to be seen. Right. Um, and yet uh, I have great confidence in the people that I hire. I choose carefully. I am prayerful in mm-hmm. my processes of, of increasing that access. And so I am thankful for the opportunity to even speak on this podcast and to help people know about how important mental health support can be, how it can really make a difference in the quality as well as the quantity of life, the years that we we live want to, we want them to be as meaningful as possible. So um, yes, you know, my being on the podcast and speaking for different folks like at the Black Expo, Mm -hmm. churches in our community, just, allows for me to get the word out continually. Mm-hmm. Now, if you wanted our audience to take one main tip or idea from what you have shared today, what would that be? So this is an issue that we actually were just talking about in our staff meeting uh, a couple of days ago. I was sharing with my staff how important it can be for us as human beings, not just clinicians, all of us, 
need to have a sense of boundaries. So that means sometimes saying yes and sometimes saying no. Understanding that no is a complete sentence that does yeah. not require explanation. But also understanding that saying no to some things that maybe we are at best lukewarm or mediocre about allows us yes in many other areas where our passions may lie. Um, saying yes to self-care, for example. Okay, so if I said yes to all the people who are knocking on my door and saying, we really need to see you, um, then that means I'm probably not gonna be doing some very good self-care, if any at all, right. that I'm not gonna last for long, you know, because I'm gonna be burnt out. I'm gonna close down everything and say good luck, right? So I have to figure out myself. I have to embody those boundaries and that intentional focus on self-care so that other people can also recognize, hey, that's something that I might want to try. You know, maybe I haven't figured everything out personally, but I try to model the things that I want my other clinicians to, to show and my clients to show that it is important for us as Black Christian women, for example, to say yes to self-care, which sometimes means saying no to other people, even if they don't understand. Right. Exactly right. And I want to thank you for being on There is Power in Your Story, where the focus is about faith, health, and wellness. And you really brought that out today in the information you shared. Thank you. It's been a pleasure.